Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. If any of our Seminole families suffered home or business damage during Hurricane Sally, the Morgan Law Group can help you. Don't fight the insurance companies alone. The Morgan Law Group can help you file a claim and get the settlement you deserve. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor Ira Chauffel, and senior writer Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols and pies starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio begins right now. There's Corey. He's all bundled up, a little chilly in his house. There's Ira looking concerned. Ira, you all right? Yeah, man. Are you – Corey, does it sound right okay to you? Yeah. Yeah. Iris, huh? Iris messing up the works as we start the show. You're good. You sound good to us. Can you hear me? You all right? Check, yeah, check, one, two, one, two. For a second there, you started to fade out a little bit, but uh, I just ran internet speed fast, and currently, apparently I'm uh, very fast. So if there's a problem, it's on your guys' end. I just wanted yeah, you guys to know. We, we both hear each other just fine, and I want you to begin to talk about sausage. Uh, you know, it doesn't ha- you don't have to ask me twice. There you go. Let's jump in. Let's get to the sausage talk. Big big game this Saturday, Florida State-Miami, playing in the evening. That's how, that means, you know what a night game means, Corey? It means you get to eat registered sausage twice before the game. For breakfast... And for lunch, I'm not saying you I should feel like you could times. eat it for dinner too. I'm, you not, could eat I'm it. not. I'm not advocating that. I mean, it's a. It's a. You got to maintain. But <laughs> I'm just saying, it's an option. It's on the table. Registers uh, meats. Well, register sausage. We're going to call them. Uh, unbelievably tasty. Very. You know what the thing about register sausage? Why it's so good, Corey? You don't know why it's so good. You just know it's so good. The reason why is because they don't fill it with all the crazy chemical nitrates and all those things that some sausages do. It's much more natural, just good, tasty pork sausage, and uh, nobody does it better than registers meats. Ben, the sausage guy, is an FSU guy. The guy who runs the company is a, is a Tallahassee and an FSU guy. So uh, support register sausage. You can get it at Publix and basically any of the stores in the southeast, but you can also order it online at registersmeats.com. I had uh, – Stephanie was kind enough last night while I was doing the uh, the other podcast that I do – uh, wake up with a wonderful wake up war chant. She went out and grilled me a uh, jalapeno cheddar boom uh, sausage from got registers. The, got the woman working the grill. Well, I mean, what else? What is she up here for? <laughs> She's not doing that. Uh, and she and she crushed it. And they were really, re- they are, man. The jalapeno cheddar was my favorite so far. That was really, really good. Has a little kick to it, Jeff, but yeah. not so not so much of a kick that Corey Clark can't eat it. So that's to tell you all you need to know. Yeah, yeah. You, I'm actually shocked by your adventuresome efforts here in the sausage game. 
Oh, I get uh, after it. I would have guessed that you would have uh, been having some mild ass sausage, but you no, no. I went for it. I went you for it. it. Broke a little bit of a sweat, a little sweat <laughs> on the brow, but not too bad. You know what? Uh, you know what's cool about one of the things that like Molly now. You know, as your kids get older, you guys will get to this point. I mean, Brady might be getting close. You get Clark. Uh, uh, Bryce Clark and uh, Cameron, Brady, Brady, can, uh, Brady, Bry- Clark. Bryce and Brady yeah. might be getting uh, close uh, to eating like more spicy type foods because when they're kids, oh, dude, I don't my think they love them. Do my they? Kids, after jalapenos left and right, they love them. Molly, uh, my oldest, she she'll dude she'll spicy wings, man. She loves spicy wings, man, which is it's it's one of those things, man. It's like you're like, all right, out of boy, there you go. Yeah, that's what, uh, yeah. That's what no, we want no, to see. Don't be soft. Corey won't help Brady's plight any at all. But you not know. with spicy stuff. But I do make them. Uh, like I get so mad when we go to a restaurant and he wants to order like a really certain way, like not the way it's made. But like, can you take the onions off? Can you take the peppers off? And I'm like, no, you're not your mom. I'm not going <laughs> to raise you to just eat four things. the The, the restaurant knows what it's doing. Eat it. Taste it. It's going to yeah. taste really good. It's better than just go. eating meat and cheese. I think it says something about where we're at when we can start seminal headlines, Florida State, Miami week, and spend a lot of time on the way we eat our foods. You know, let's see, you know, that none of us really want to talk about Florida State, Miami. And I should actually, I'll direct this at you, Corey. Okay. Because you remember a time, as do I, way back in the early 80s when this all really started and became the height of the rivalry, right? This was more important for a very long time for people of a certain age. This was more important than the Florida game uh, because of what it meant to the national championship picture and what it meant as two programs rose uh, and surpassed the University of Florida uh, in terms of relevance, in terms of dominance. This was the rivalry, and it's really eating at me that I've spent the better part of five, six days uh, kicking this game around in my mind and this just just feeling this blanket of indifference, uh, and it pisses me off. I don't like it. It's not acceptable, but you can't make it. It's something that it's not. You know damn well Florida State's not going to win this game. <laughs> How does that make you feel? How much do you think, though, it has to do with the year itself? Not Not just that it's 2020 and it's the worst year of our lives, but that there's no fans there. Who know your head coach isn't even coaching because he's got COVID. Who knows who else on the team has COVID? Does that make it feel more meaningless than normal? That it's not a normal college football season? Well, I think there is a flatness to it all. That's true of the games I currently watch uh, that I would otherwise be excited about in college football. It's especially true, I suppose, in a year where we don't have very high expectations and we are distracted by something more important than football. Yeah, yeah, there's an uncertainty to it all. I, I don't know. I I think that changing the way we view Florida State football and wrapping your mind around looking for moderate gains week to week, Ira, like trying to just look for signs of improvement, is tough to stomach for a Florida State fan base that has spent the vast majority of its time expecting to win conference championships, expecting to win national championships. Like, Having to be one of these teams or fan bases that resembles that of Wake Forest is really, well, it's quite a bit of It's very, very difficult to stomach knowing that, well, i got to look to see, our, is this the kind of team that could get bowl eligible? Is this the kind of yeah. team that shows me in three years they're going to be good because we got a couple kids that are freshmen right now? I mean, like, that's hard to wrap your mind around. And maybe that's arrogance, but that's just the cachet Florida State has. 
it's just it's hard to stomach. Well, it's also I just think it's it's like drifting in the in a in a in a in the ocean and not being able to find land or you know there's just nothing to hold on to to really know what this really is. You know, I think going into the last three seasons, 17, 18, and 19. You know, you, I think FSU fans went into those seasons with um, higher expectations maybe than they should have, um, and I think we did as well. But, you know, there was there were reasons to be aspirational and think that things, certain things, if, if this guy steps up or if this happens or, you know, we've got this new coaching staff or those types of things, this is the first time I think really since that time. Because 17, okay, well, Jimbo's checked out. 18 and 19, okay, we got coaches that don't get along. It's not a good head coach. In 20, I think we believe Mike Norvell's a good head coach. I think we ha- believe they have a good coaching staff. Then when they play the way they did against Georgia Tech, it's just like, okay, wait a minute now. We need to reassess some things. Like, maybe these guys just aren't good enough. And if that's the case, what are we looking at here? Because I think, you know, these last few years, whether we were lying to each other or that it was mostly just uh, about the coaching – you know, you, you, you believe there was more there. I think right now you look at it and say, okay, in some spots, I like this guy. I like that guy. But overall, you don't feel like this is what you, you hoped any of these last three or four seasons would be. And I think that's – everybody's kind of grasping, grasping for that. Well, like, where is the, where's the firm land? Like, where are we? Because right now I still don't think we know. Well, there's not a lot of explosiveness out there. That's that's for certain. When you watch that, you go, "Good Lord, where are the dynamic athletes?" There's a few, but you. I think to your point, when you're trying to lose weight, when you're 400 pounds and you're trying to get to 180, those first, you know, those first 10, 15 pounds feel like they're insignificant. They're very difficult. So a lot of people don't even take the first step. And I think it's such a an arduous task to get to where you want to go that you're looking at the end game instead of what's right in front of you. And for Florida State, man, they know, we all know, Mike Ravel may be a very good coach, and this may be a very good staff, but what you see on this roster, and you're right, there are a couple players that look like difference makers, but for the most part, what you see on this roster, man, it gives you the clear indication that they've got miles and miles to go. But I don't think we knew that until this year, though. You know, like you could you could tell yourself coming into this season, we had this conversation about the defense when we got our plaque during the summer that that, hey, man, these guys were highly recruited. If they're coached better and if they believe in what they're going to do, they're going to play better. Well, it it may turn out that both were true. They didn't get coached well and they're not very good. The the one thing I would say, and and Jeff and I talked about this briefly before you got on the call, Corey, Uh, I'm curious your thought. Is there a possibility that they didn't look explosive because guys were just timid everywhere? Like, you didn't see anybody playing, like, loose. And I'm not saying that's a poor coaching preparation. I just wonder if they, because of everything they've been through, they just were afraid to make mistakes. I I know those linebackers aren't great, but I think they're better than they showed. I know the, the you know, they were just so passive in everything they did defensively. And also, you know, the, the skilled guys that weren't really aggressive either. Is there a possibility that was a uh, just a reluctance to let loose in a season opener? And then maybe that is there in a Miami game where you're afraid you're going to get blown out? Can, yeah, can, I mean, uh, can we talk ourselves into that? No, I think I do think there was a reluctance, but I don't know that it's just because it was the season opener. And why would it be different this week? Now you're playing on national TV against Miami. Well, you're now you be got reluctant. More, well, I think in Georgia Tech, you had something to lose. You were a favorite. 
You were oh, you think now they just like because they're underdogs, they're like let's let's here goes well, nothing, let's just play with our hair on fire. Yeah, I mean it could be. I mean that happened last time they went down there. They weren't expected to even compete in that game, I don't believe, and they had a twenty-seven-seven lead until uh, you know they started turning the ball over. Um, and so yeah, and they were dominating that game. The defense was the defense was playing really well that game. Um, now that was Nikosi Perry and not Derek King, so there's a there's a difference there. So, yeah, that could be it, man. But, yeah, I think it's more about just it's hard. Like what Jeff said, if you grow up with Florida State football, it's hard to reset your standards to just improving. It's just hard. It's hard to go into a Miami game just hoping to keep it close and not get embarrassed. This is three – this will probably be the fourth year in a row you've lost to them after you beat them seven straight times. All this is hard to adjust to. So you hope they go down there and surprise you. But it, it's it's a bummer that you've you've had to uh, re reset your standards and your and your expectations so much so that you're just hoping to maybe get to a bowl. Florida State should never be in that place. Stay, uh, they shouldn't be, but they are. Stay with this. I want to talk about that big picture idea of what we should expect, what's fair to expect, what's reasonable in terms of progress. I think we're on to something here because I do think it's important that you define your terms before you go into each week. What are you expecting? Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. So what is fair to expect against Miami this week? And again, as I utter that, I'm picturing the guy driving down the road, punching himself in the testicles. Because everything sounds, who's listening to the show, not just a random guy punching himself in the testicles, but a a listener of the program. And as he's doing so, he's saying, this is where it's at. Like, they're trying to soften the blow. These guys have come out the gates trying to soften the blow for what's going to happen Saturday. But I actually do think, as we get into defining our terms, that Florida State's defense will play better. Now, first of all, it would be really nice to know whether or not Hampson Nasruddin is going to play because he's really good. And if he does play, there's a physicality that he brings to the game that certainly would elevate the level of aggressiveness that you see from Florida State's defense uh, and also sure-handed tackling helps. Uh, I, I do think they're better than they showed. I think they identified some things. This group, and the offense maybe, maybe not this week, but in general, I do think as they get into the nuts and bolts of having practices and preparations for games and then getting the results of games and making adjustments will begin to show that they are well coached. I don't think they got, first of all, missing spring was devastating. I think we know that now not being able to get those practices and scrimmages in and to play under the lights for the spring game itself. You really didn't know until they got into this game, who shrunk in the moment, who was, who revealed that they weren't going to be capable to play at the speed necessary in a game and who, could maybe surprise you and play better than they have in practice. They lost all of that. They lost the ability for install and to rep in a way where they know it better, where they can play fast. So they didn't really get that. And in scrimmages, I have a sense, and then just talking to some people, they they weren't trying to get out there and get people hurt knowing that they're thin. And so I I think there might have been apprehension. You can't really play football that way. Uh, I wonder now if we don't start to see real growth with each passing game. I think they'll play much better on defense because I do think they'll play faster, and I think they'll play with a fear that they're going to get blown the hell out on national television by their rival. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you there. Uh, what I wonder about, though, is say they're down 13 to nothing in the first quarter 
what 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 do they do? Do they flip the switch, or do they say, well, here go here it goes again? Our coach isn't even here. Um, he's you know he's got COVID. We're here having to deal with this on national TV, and they cash in. You know they just kind of walk away like that. That is part of this team. That's part of what this team has done in recent years. So I, I, I mean, even going making the standard the bar is as low as possible. Just compete, man. That would be that would be something to see. That'd be a step in the right direction uh, because they do have a built-in excuse. Our coach isn't here. Oh well, our coach isn't here. It's COVID season anyway. There's nine thousand people in the stands. It doesn't feel like a real game. Who cares what happens? I don't think they're going to be that way. But that's obviously part of that's. I you can't tell me it's not a possibility with what we've seen from this team and this roster for the last two or three years that they don't they don't play hard once they get down. So I want to see that because they are going to get down in this game. I'm going to go ahead and predict right here. They're not going to lead this game from start to finish. That's bold. <laughs> it is bold. Hey, that's what I'm here for, though. I'm yeah. not going to just sit here and be a Pollyanna. I'm going to yeah. make bold predictions. Well, it is the second segment. It's time to come with it right off the right. bat. Let, yeah. Let's go. Let's assert yeah. ourselves. You know, the thing, it's funny. Like, I, I sit back and I was listening to uh, Wake Up War Chant, and I was listening to uh, your show from yesterday, Jeff. And, uh, and I was sitting there listening to you guys because I know where you guys come from. And Jeff, you just talked about it. Like you guys grew up in this. Corey kind of lectured me about this yesterday. Like you guys grew up on this game being a, a just a completely different spectacle of what it is right now. So then I'm sitting there listening to your guys' shows, and I'm like, like if I'm a fan, do I want that? Do I want you to be like, man, this sucks? You know, this we're we're going to go into this game and everything would have to go right or whatever it is. Or do you want people to be like, Hey, let, let's get excited. It's Miami. This is an opportunity. This is a chance to do something great. And then possibly just get smacked in the face on Saturday with reality. Like what's, what's the better, if you, if you were a listener back in the day, would you prefer, which, which approach would you guys yeah. rather have? Can't put myself in that mindset, Ira. There was no day like this back in the yeah. day. <laughs> they always had a chance. Well, I remember going into the game in 2002 thinking we were going to get blown out only to be devastated that we blew a fourth quarter lead again because, you know, you can't come out of a timeout and understand they're going to throw a screen. But I, I, I would say this, I, that game for me, when I hearing you talk, Ira, when you were bringing it up and referencing Corey and I talking about yesteryear and what this game meant, when I think back on it, I can remember the nervous energy that started like when Sunday night ended the week before, knowing we were going into Miami week, I was so giddy I couldn't sleep as a teenager. And then later on in high school, I mean, in high school, and then obviously when I was in school, man, that it meant so much to me. I think you get older and you and more things happen in your life and you gain perspective and no football game can ever mean is what it did when you were 20. But I, I hate that I, you know, I'm longing for that time. I, I was nervous just a couple years ago when we went down there. I went to that game. I dealt with that nonsense, that blown lead, the whole deal. I was excited. I felt it again. The flip, you know, the switch came on when I walked into that stadium and I saw the orange and green. I thought, I hate these sons of bitches. I really hope we make this a game. Uh, and and then not only did we make it a game, we we, we choked away a huge lead. But at least it felt good to have the energy again. It is surely lacking right now, and it's nobody's fault per se. I mean, we've arrived where we've arrived, and there are all these extenuating circumstances that Corey alluded to that that help add up to sort of a 
I don't know, just an impotence surrounding this rivalry game right now that really bothers me. I'm sure I'll feel differently Saturday night when they kick it off. But to answer your question, you got to just you got to tell people how you feel. And if that's not excited, then it's not excited, because if you lie about it, they're going to see through it. So I, I don't know. I'd rather have the energy. I just don't feel it right now. And it's I, there's a part of me that really just is focused on growth. Like, do you play hard? Like Corey said, the whole game. Do you show me something of a different mentality than you've had? Show me that you'll compete for four quarters, even if you're not good enough to win the game. I actually think they're good enough to make it a game. I, I, I was saying before that if they could put game pressure on Miami, which have received none of it so far in the first two games that they've played, if all of a sudden Miami looks up at the scoreboard and it's 10-10 to 10 or 17-17 to 17 in the third quarter, do they begin to press thinking, we're supposed to be blowing this team out? I don't Put them in a position to make mistakes. And it is an opportunity. Like, this isn't 2001 Miami. These guys have... Uh, you know, if you watch that Louisville game, it's an impressive offense, but good grief, Louisville handed literally handed them three touchdowns and 200 yards on three plays. Um, it, it was just incredible, poor, de- incredibly poor defense by Louisville. This team isn't uh, un- unbeatable for Florida State. They're what are they, an 11 point underdog? Started at nine. I mean, started at nine, the public immediately went, What people, <laughs> but but teams, teams. Uh, win when they're underdogs all the time. It. I know we haven't seen it lately from the team we cover, but we just saw Georgia Tech do it. Like you can be a double-digit underdog and win a game. It happens a lot. Uh, Florida State. My. I don't know that Florida State's done it in my lifetime, but they certainly haven't done it lately. They certainly haven't beaten a team they weren't supposed to beat in a good long while. So there is a possibility for that, and that's the hope I think you have as a fan. Is surprise? Go out and surprise me. Don't expect it, but go out and surprise me, because it is a nine. It's not a. It's not gonna be a rabid crowd. There's gonna be nine thousand people there, ten thousand people there. They're all spread out. It's like it's a essentially a glorified scrimmage when you talk about the the crowd, and the fact that your coach isn't gonna be there. So go out with nothing to lose and go go uh, go surprise us, man. Go play hard and surprise us, and you've had two weeks to prepare. So I don't know. I think there is hope that it's a game. I don't think this is like Oklahoma 2010. I think there is hope where it's a game, but I don't know, man. I think part of what we do is you don't want to just tell people all the time, yeah, yeah, they got a chance, they got a chance, and then every Tuesday we're having no answer for our mistakes. Like we're real. Maybe part of it is keeping it real, but also, yeah, I get Iris' point. Like you don't want to be such a downer that people aren't excited about the program you cover either. But right now, that's the reality of it. Nobody should be excited about this program or this team. Until they give us a reason to be. Well, how how much of it is the quarterback? A lot. I mean, and it's not, and that's not, and that's not just to kill him, but like, that's part of the problem with the excitement of a new coaching staff that should be in place. The the you know the 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 what what could it be? You know the the optimism about what could be, but then you you look at the reality of it's probably going to be James Blackman again, and you know what James Blackman is, and so I think that's. That's and again, that's not to put it all on him, but that that's what decreases, I think, the the possibilities. It it, it closes the window of op, uh, possibilities. I think for it, fans. it reminds me of uh, I don't know if you remember me saying this to you. Ira. It was out, it was the 2007 Florida game. So that wasn't even a good Florida defense. It was it was Tebow. It was the year he won the Heisman, but that defense was terrible. And we went down there. We drove down there. Probably stopped at a rest area on the way. And um, 
I think they scored 12 points. Florida State did. They lost like 40 to 12. It's just basically, I think, kicked a 60-yard field goal to yeah, the yeah. half. But anyway, yeah. they didn't score in the second half. They didn't score a single touchdown against a bad Florida defense. And I remember driving home that day with you saying, man, I don't ever need to see Drew Weatherford play quarterback again. I just don't. And that's nothing against the kid. He was pretty good in 05, and he just started to devolve to he the point broke. that he's, he was broken. He, yeah. He's jumping up. He's jumping up when he sees the rush and just throw. I mean, just doing crazy stuff. Like, like it looked like he was traveling the way he'd play quarterback. Like, literally jump up in the air and come down with the ball. And um, and uh, th- I think that's where a lot of the fans are. Is man, I just don't, we don't need to see it again. Give us a reason to be excited about anything. Yeah, but I I'd let him see position. it. Th- I'd let him see it this Saturday though. <laughs> <laughs> What? I ain't rolling Chubb out there this Saturday. I can tell you. No, that. no, but like you can roll the Travises out there in, in packages. You can do a lot of different things and creative things other than just rolling out. Yeah, no, Chubb needs to wait until next Jackson week. State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we make the unveiling and the celebration. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Yeah, there is some strategy to this. I took some heat on Twitter for saying that I'd let James Blackman wear this ass kicking uh, on Saturday night. Uh, and I would. I don't care what that sounds like. It's nothing personal. I, I don't hate the kid as a human being. He's just terrible and he's broken and there's nothing we can do about that. I've been saying that all summer long that he's awful. Um, and, you know, that's where we're at. So I'm not going to indoctrinate my new quarterback with a, a beatdown uh, against, his, against his rival. Uh, I, I'm with you, Corey. I would run some different packages out there. I'd have a lot of different people playing quarterback. Hell, Travis Jay would make an appearance at quarterback this weekend. Uh, but I'd be doing all kinds of things to, to make it interesting or maybe to try to find a way to manufacture something, um, you know, unorthodox, I suppose. But, again, but though, you might be – there's a chance you're in the game in the third quarter. Again, this isn't 0-1 Miami. This this team was in a game with Louisville, and Louisville was literally giving them points. And it gave up 34 to, points to Louisville. No, no doubt. In fairness to James Blackman, as much as I am critical of his – wild inconsistencies and his reverse, you know, reverting back to crazy mechanics and everything else and sheer panic. I will say, you know, he could get helped out here. You you have a third down in the game against Georgia tech, an easy throw. It's not a great throw, but it's an imminently catchable throw that Warren Thompson drops because that's what Warren Thompson does is drop everything. Um, And he drops that pass. And so instead of first and goal, you have to kick a field goal. You lost that game by three points. Uh, your all-world receiver uh, w- drops a walk-in touchdown. Uh, there's another huge drop on a play where James Blackman scrambles to buy time and hits Thompson again on a crossing. Well, basically, he's um, you know ad-libbing in there, but he scramble, hits him dead in the hands for a first down. He drops that as well. Um, I mean, these are all things that could have led to a victory. And you know what? Oddly enough, admittedly, if they make those plays and they win the game against Georgia Tech – we're still talking about the problems they have. We're still talking about the inconsistencies. But your optimism is uh, still in place for the game against Miami. You still think, okay, well, they'll take a step forward, and at least they're doing it off of a win. But because they lost a game where they're huge favorites at home and Blackman did revert back to some of the old bad habits we saw before and people were unreliable, you just feel helpless. Well, well yeah, but my my point was that I you could be in a game – say Blackman starts and doesn't and plays like Blackman, but maybe has a couple – I mean, he's pretty good on the first drive usually. So, say uh, in the somewhere late in the second quarter, you're down 16-7. to seven. 
Well, that's what I'm saying about well, if you if you introduce something that they're not used to, like a quarterback that can run, and that that changes the whole dynamic of the running game too, because they can't, the defensive end can't just crash down because he knows Blackman's not going to pull it, or you know what I mean. They, they, if you have a guy that can run, that changes the, the dynamic of the thing, and that was what I was taking issue with wearing this ass kicking. It doesn't have to be an ass kicking. Miami isn't that good. They're better than Florida State, it would appear. They certainly have an edge at quarterback and kicker, by the way. They certainly have an edge at quarterback and defensive line. But they're not unbeatable. So I, I don't know that you go into this game thinking, all right, well, let's let James Blackman just completely take everything and we're, our season starts next week. There's a chance you're in a game in the third quarter here. That's not outlandish. Again, this isn't Jer- Jeremy Shockey and walking through that door. And Willis McGahee and... Andre Johnson and ju- you know, go on and on. Go down the list of that f- flipping team. Ed Re- Ed Reed will be, and they'll show him. Yeah, on I guess Ed Reed will be walking through that door, right? Um, you know, the, <laughs> last week when um, Kenny Dillingham and Mike Norvell were assessing James Blackman's performance, and I know uh, some people didn't like the fact that they felt like they were defending James. Uh, oh, I think they were. What's that? I didn't think they were at all. I think when your when your head coach says the best player is going to play, he all but announced to the world that he wasn't happy with James Blackman's quarterback play. I mean, he's not going to say, "Listen, James sucked. I got it." But when he says uh, all those guys are getting reps, uh, you know, Rodemaker had a couple good weeks of practice. Chuba's got to get caught up to speed. I think all these guys can play at a high level. I mean, he's yeah, no, that was anything but. Yeah, and that was at one point. But then there were other points where they explained all the times that he did get them in the right plays, he did make right reads, and the fact that other there were breakdowns in other places, which you noted, the receivers. Yeah. Uh, and then also the, yeah. the offensive line started to struggle. But the thing is, like, w- when they were talking, what really clicked to me was the thing about a quarterback like James is, like, everything has to work perfectly for, for, for it to have a chance. Like, if – He's not going to buy time and make a play. He's not going to uh, make the the A plus plus throw. You know, you know what I'm saying. So like, the offense has to function perfectly, especially if you don't have a quarterback who's very good. And that's where they are. They have to. Everything has to function perfectly for them to have a chance. Um, I do think that guys will respond. You know, the receivers they have to play better. I mean, I can't even imagine how Ron Dugans must have challenged those guys after that last game. But the problem is, you know Miami's gonna, you know Miami's gonna bring effort. I mean, that's gonna be there. That's what that's what they are. I mean, they're 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 they have a tendency to be front runners, and when they're playing a team like Florida State, they're gonna bring effort. They're gonna try to punk Florida State early in this game. If Florida State doesn't respond to that, it could be a long day. If they yeah. do respond to it, and if they execute, yeah, like Corey said, I'm at the, these two teams. I don't think are are, are in different stratospheres. I just think. Florida State's in a position right now, especially with with a subpar quarterback, where there's just not that confidence. But they got to figure out a way to bring it into that game. That's going to be a big part of it. I can't fathom back to our point about Florida State-Miami and the history of the rivalry. I can't fathom a team going into a game like this, this rivalry, and not being willing to commit to the kind of energy and toughness it takes, at the very least, to compete in a game like this. Like You can't be a bitch in this game. You 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 have to show up and be angry, like that. You come out the gates pissed off, like this is. We've all uh, at every level of sport. There's a rivalry that we've been a part of, and you know that added energy is there. You feel it. 
and you're you're partly nervous before it starts because you can't get punked in your mind. You know you have to respond to that. So I gotta believe these guys will. Well, let me I, ask you this though: like, I can see guys yapping, but like, who's gonna bring that on either side of the ball? Which guys are you pointing to that are gonna be the 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 Jalen Ramsey, the Demarcus Walker? <laughs> The, the the Dalvin Cook the guy well, is like no no not I, today Gainer could be I think Amari Gainer could yeah. be if Nashville Dean plays he could be I mean I think they have a few guys listen I I know it's it's his first big time moment but I really like what I see from Stephen Dix Jr. and yeah, and I, I would play him a lot and let him play fast and physical there are some guys who can who can rise up and have a little what for on that defense offensively I hear you I don't know who's going to do that and by the way to your point and Corey I know you want to add something here look how Ron Dugan's when you talk about it, you can't imagine how he, he challenged these guys this week or what he said to challenge you. I don't know how he didn't assault those guys after the game last week. Jesus. I mean, Ron was part of many wide receiver groups that have been known for not only elite skill, but toughness, who blocked, who brought it physically. He he must have been mortified by Tamori and Terry and Warren Thompson. He must have just been ashamed of the way they played. They were an embarrassment. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna piggyback off that. Uh, what, what I what I was gonna say though is that yeah, I, I think Amari Gaynor is a guy that that you can that can lead by example and lead by just he he's gonna. I think he'll meet the moment toughness wise, um, and I think Asante is a guy that'll meet the moment. Nasruddin's a huge deal if he can play. Um, that you know, again, you just want to see that though, man. They did bring that last time they were down there, and that was not a good defense. And they held them to seven points legitimately almost through three quarters until Francois kept giving the ball at the, their uh, Florida State 20. Um, so you, they they have shown, they even two years ago, that awful team, that awful defense, shown they could match the moment. Now, they again, they were playing Nikosi Perry. It wasn't Derek King. Um, it was Mark Rick calling plays, not Rhett Lashley. So it's a different challenge. But you still want to see some fight, man. You, do, you, you really do want to see some fight. And I'll tell you this, speaking of fights, uh, I don't know if this is a positive or negative, but I remember after the game, and I think I brought it up here before. I can't remember. After that game two years ago, I think James Blackman played one play because Francois got drilled in the back on a play, I and Blackman he, had to come in. I think he played two two plays. Yeah, so he wasn't he wasn't a factor really at all. But after the game, my, the Miami fans are celebrating. And the, not the Miami. Well, obviously they are. The players are celebrating, and they're going and talking trash to all the Florida State players walking off the field. And I see at the tunnel – James Blackman's about to get in a fight with four Miami guys. One of them is their was their good defensive lineman back then. Uh, I can't remember his name. His senior year, he b- went off. Um, wow, he was one of those kids from Burn, South Carolina. But anyway, there were four Miami guys. They're all linemen. And James Blackman's having to be ha- held back from going after them. He's screaming at all of them and wanting to fight all of them because of what they're saying to him and how much they're making fun of him. And it's like that that's the guy that you know he cares. You know he cares. That, that he's gonna he's not just walking off the field saying well it wasn't me anyway they won't even play me he cared so much and was so hurt by that loss that he was gonna get in a fight with four Miami guys it, Gerald Willis Willis was one of the guys I and, know um, if you talked long enough you'd get there it came to it so I'd get there so like is that a I think that's probably a bad thing that James cares so much going into this game but you know it matters to that kid man he would well, know you know what I mean and that's that's the image I'm always gonna have with James Blackman is not the ground ball throws, not the airmail throws, not the panicky feet. I'm gonna remember that moment and I want people to understand that this kid, I know we don't I know you don't like watching him play football right now. Maybe he can turn it around, maybe. 
But, man, he almost took on the entire Miami defensive line after that game because they were talking smack to him. And he, he was standing up for his teammates. And that's that's the guy that's going down there that maybe somehow, some way, can find some elixir of magic and, and, and go win a game well, against this team. Well, I think it's important that you say that in part because I'm certainly highly critical of him. The fan base is we all are at varying points. Again, I feel like we give the obligatory, we know he's a nice kid, uh, to make sure we offset some of that. And and that's important uh, to remind folks that it's not a personal attack. You're right, passion's never been in question. Uh, can he channel that, and can he stay calm when things aren't going well, despite being that passionate? And that's, you know, you got to channel that better and, and not let the emotions get the best of you. I, I, I'm not talking about the fight. I'm just talking about in-game as a quarterback. Uh, I don't think energy is going to be a problem here, guys. I think they'll play with high energy. I think they'll play hard, and I think they'll play better in, in some respects than we saw in the Georgia Tech game. I don't know how Norvell not being there affects this team. Uh, I don't know how any of us could know that. Uh, this is uncharted territory, so I, I don't know. Um, but I think they'll play hard. I think the question mark, really, about whether or not they're in a game in the fourth quarter is whether or not they're good enough. I just don't know if they're good enough to block Miami. Uh, and that's a real problem. I mean, we, we, we should always st- start and end with the fact that we're not real sure they can block the opposing team's defensive line. And that I'm really I'm pretty does, sure they can't. Well, so not sustained. this becomes really, really problematic again and again and again. We'll be saying the same things, by the way, if that's true, uh, because they struggle to block Georgia Tech consistently, especially once the injuries happen. But we'll be saying the same thing when they play Notre Dame. We'll be saying the same things, obviously, when they play Clemson. Uh, so, and when listen, there are plenty, plenty of teams on this roster uh, on schedule. Excuse me, Pitt. They won't block. Uh, North Carolina's going to give them trouble. So, I mean, that's that's always the thing you fall back on, which is hard to get around. I think they'll play well offensively, especially early. I mean, I do think the during the portion of the game that's scripted uh, and James feels confident about, uh, I do feel like they'll do well. I went back and watched. Uh, Georgia Tech's defensive coordinator talked last week about the season opener, and he he just like he really praised Mike Norvell. He's like, man, those first couple drives, he completely had us on our heels. We had no idea because of they had done so much scouting of what he did at Memphis, and he really did a lot of things to make them believe that he was going to do one thing and did something else. And uh, uh, he was really and I, so I think that Mike Norvell, with a script, with a quarterback who knows what he's going to do, I think will do well early on and where he knows what the quarterback's going to do and everything's really planned and precise, I think they'll do well offensively early on. The question is going to be, I do think the defense is going to be the key to all this. Um, I know – I get your point about being able to block Miami. You can screen. There's some things they can do to slow down that pass rush. But defensively, you know, you just look at those linebackers and it's like, okay, who's going to match up with Revan Jordan? Um, who's gonna, I mean, there's just some issues there physically yeah. Yeah. That, I, that I'm not sure. And then, you know, if they couldn't contain uh, – you know, the kid from Georgia Tech, I and mean, Derek King, I don't, I don't think Derek King, I haven't been wowed by his running ability, but he's got awareness. He's going to buy time yeah. and make throws. Yeah, um, I think he ran for he ran for nine yards in that game against yeah. Louisville. It didn't matter. But his presence is one of the reasons that guy just literally runs around the right side and nobody's in the picture. Um, Derek King's presence there, I, that doesn't excuse what Louisville did because that was uh, atrocious. Um, but lest yeah, we, I, lest we forget, Louisville was one of the worst teams in the country last year on defense. It doesn't look like they've made. Oh any my stuff. gosh, there that was incredible. It yeah, looked like no, they were playing with seven guys. No, they they were terrible on defense last year. 
Uh, hence, they lost to Florida State. Uh, they were terrible on defense. They look terrible again on defense again this year. I don't. I don't think that's going to surprise anybody. Let's come back, wrap up the hour in a moment here on Seminole Headlines. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Yeah, so at the end of the day, I think we spent the vast majority of this hour getting to the point that this doesn't have to be an ass-beaten, and it wouldn't be shocking if Florida State's in the game in the second half. And I think, again, back to the beginning of the show, it's a terrible place to be because the thought is, can you keep it close? Should it be close? What has to happen for it to be close? I mean, that's what you're listening to if you're if you're listening to the show. And that's just difficult if you put yourself in the mindset of a 40-something-year-old Florida State fan, certainly yeah. a 50-something-year-old, even a 30-something-year-old Florida State fan. It's very difficult. And as pragmatic as that may be and as, as straightforward as that is, and, and, you know, again, we're all realists here. It's probably the conversation we should be having. It's just very difficult to go through this and and have that conversation and not get dejected. So he's not allowed. What are the odds that he's going to be on FaceTime with Dillingham in the booth? Well, I don't think he's allowed to do that, right? Sure, he's not allowed. But who in the world is monitoring (laughs) that? Like, literally, how would the ACC monitor? How would they know? Is the FSU coaches booth right next to Miami? Do you think Miami would have a plant? Do you think Miami would have a recording device in the booth? Like what? what and what's the punishment think, if you are doing it? If the if the TV flips over to the the coach's box and, and Kenny Dillingham has his phone up above his face, <laughs> he's looking at him, trying to explain to Mike Norvell. So I think they might figure it out. I, that's uh, what I'm saying. I, you got to be number one. Norvell prepares for everything. So at one point this week, he's they're going to have a meeting about how to hide it. You, and Kenny, sure. you can't pick up your phone and look up. And if you're texting me. You can't be caught on camera texting me. You got to practice this now. You're going to take an hour tonight and practice looking at the phone without looking at the phone. Um, and if it's FaceTime and I, you don't have to look at the phone. You just hear them and just put them on speaker. Yeah, well, put or put put an earphone in your ear and nobody knows anything. I mean, you could be talking to one of the coaches down on the sidelines. You got your little earbud in there. You're talking to Norvell. What are we calling here, coach? What do we got? Man, I was just like, I was can, just, can he not text like at halftime at least and say, "Hey, these are the adjustments I want to make." Well, I'm sure he can. I don't know that it's legal, but I'm sure he can. Yes. And are they checking yes. phones? You get a burner phone, baby. Exactly right. We watch the wire. Let's go. You get a burner phone <laughs> every quarter. No, a new phone. Yeah. After when I was thinking about Norvell getting the news that he's got COVID, and then they they test him again, and he's got definitely got COVID. I just I was trying to picture his reaction, and all I could think of is Jimbo after the Burt Reed pass, just like dropping to his knees, like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. Like, <laughs> for after yeah. all of this, nine yeah. months now, I've got COVID. I mean, it's just like it's unbelievable. You so can write. I, I got to take you back because I think this will echo the sentiments of a lot of fans and probably what you guys also uttered. To your point, Ira. I was uh, Saturday, I was sitting on the couch getting ready for for college football to begin and getting my day kind of organized. And I got a text from a close friend who's also a Noel. And every now and then he reaches out to me and he'll say, I heard you talking on the show yesterday. Can you tell me what you're really saying here? Like he's trying to get the inside dope and all that. Like I'm holding back because I don't want to reveal a source or something. And the text I got was, I guess Norvell really is trying to prove that no first-year coach has ever had worse luck than him. And that's the only thing the text yeah. And I was like, well, what happened? Did one of our guys – is Marvin Wilson suspended? What happened? What's going yeah. on? So I raced to warchant.com. 
And there was nothing there because it was almost in real time. And then I went to both of your Twitter feeds amongst a few others to cover. I'm like, am I missing? Because I hadn't even checked my phone that morning. I'm like, what, what am I missing? What did I miss here? And nobody had anything up yet. So I texted back. I go, WTF, what are you talking about, basically? And, and, he, and then he sent me this note about Norvell has COVID. And my wife was in the kitchen where, where, my, where wives should be. And, <laughs> and my kids were down the hall playing. And I went, oh, for f- sake. Yeah. That's all I said. And she was like, we're not even. And this is my wife's reaction. She goes, we're not even playing today. What could be going on? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I wrote that day. Is like yeah. only Florida State on a Saturday. They're not even playing. Uh, do they? Do they still have to shake their heads in disappointment and disbelief? Florida State fans on a Saturday that they have a bye, they still get bad news. Yeah. Um, it's just it's it's incredible. But it's it's you know, it's par for the course. It's par for the course. I, you know, let's just say I brought this up on WarChamp, but let's say that Jimbo made a deal with the devil, what like to get Jameis. So that was what? The recruiting class of 2012. So somewhere in December of 2011, Jimbo makes a deal with the devil and says, look, for three years, I want to be the best program in America. After that, you can do whatever you want. But for three years, I want to be the best program in America, and I want that kid at quarterback. Was it worth it now in hindsight what we're having to deal with? Hey, and shouldn't that have followed him to friggin' Texas A&M? Exactly right. I don't know, but he, he, he kept it in Tallahassee. That's the best deal in the history of deals with the devil. Hey, so listen, I want to win a national championship, win 29 straight games, have the best players, and then make $75 million in front of a bunch of yokels who have to pay me no matter what. Yeah, it's like, and, then, and then bring a plague on the people I left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but hey, it's, it's worked out. Yeah, right. But it's like the devil won't stop collecting the debts, man. Like he's just, he's just, he just keeps going and going. It's like, all right, man, enough, enough. 2013 was a long time ago. Let's get back to some, uh, some uh, terra firma. Hey, Corey, uh, this reminds me of the many reasons that you need to watch Angel Heart again. The devil's no. always the the devil's That's gonna collect. Gross, gross movie. <laughs> uh, no. Nope. Nope. Um, by the way, speaking of things you should watch, both of you guys, number one, cheer. Is this you're going to tell us about cheer again, Corey? Cause, uh, Hey, been don't the bring news. that up. I'm still been not in the right news about lately. That. Corey, I, I don't still feel, I still feel awful about that. I saw the challenger thing. And have you watched the social media one, the documentary on social no. media? It's awesome. So the challenger one on Netflix, it's a four part documentary. It's like 45 minutes of show. It's awesome. It's really good. It's going to remind you of your childhood. Kim Kim and the girls just watched it. Oh, oh, you didn't. I was working. I was working. Okay. It's good though. You should watch it. And then also there's a show on Apple called Ted Lasso. Yes. It's with Jason Sudeikis. um, And he's a football coach that goes and coaches uh, in the premier league and soccer in England. It's, I thought it's a stupid, like it's a goofy premise. It was like a four-minute skit on SNL or something a few years ago. They've turned it into a show, and it's really kind of charming and good. I like it a lot. So that's yeah. another one you also want. Those are go, those are Corey's recommendations. That's how we round out the hour. There you go. Everybody <laughs> little smiley faces. We feel pretty good about things. We diverted. Yeah, man, bring on Miami. <laughs> Headliner questions forthcoming. Hang in. Seminal Headlines will take a breather. More next. 